The game Two Truths and a Lie is designed to make it difficult to discern the difference between the two. In life, it's often like this as well. The truth has been increasingly difficult to spot and the lies often masquerade as truth. How can we learn the difference between them and live in the truth instead of lies? Join us as we seek to journey towards living in the truth and spotting lies that can deceive us in our current sermon series, Two Truths and a Lie. Okay, all right, cheering you on, all right. Well, hey, happy Mother's Day to everybody. We're glad you're here with us this morning. My name is Joe. I serve as one of the pastors here at Riverbend, and today we really want to make it a special day for the moms and then all the ladies in the house as well. We are so grateful for each of you, and we know today also has a lot of joy in it, but also some sorrow, depending on what you come with this day. And so I was thinking, who better to ask to share just some words of wisdom before I jump into my message? And I couldn't think of anybody better than my bride, Amy, uh, who has been a great teammate throughout our whole marriage and really just a gift to me personally. Has a lot of wisdom, an incredible wife and mom and ministry partner as we have sought to do what it is that we're doing here at Riverbend Community Church. And so Amy, some of you know her. But some of you are like, I didn't know this was your wife. I didn't, I didn't know. And you're like, why doesn't she come on stage? And maybe you didn't ask that question. But really, Amy's not a stage person. She's not an upfront person like this. And still, in the midst of that, she said, I want to serve our community in this way today. So she's got some thoughts and words of wisdom prepared for us just to encourage your heart. Um, I think what she has to say for, for the ladies is really important as well as an encouraging word for us men as well. So Amy, take it away. All right, happy Mother's Day to all the women of Riverbend and um, that are here today. I know today can come with a myriad of emotions. If you are blessed like me to have an amazing mom who made home a glad place of refuge, it is easy to celebrate and honor her. But it can also come with hard and complicated emotions, deep grief and sorrow if we've lost our mother or a child, disappointment, sadness, and aching for those who yearn to be mothers, but it remains a, a, a longing unfulfilled. Maybe you have a complicated relationship with your mom. I remember while we were struggling with infertility, there were some mother's days I couldn't even come to church because the longing and pain of being childless was too much to bear. Wherever you find yourself on this Mother's Day, may you remember that we serve Elroy, the God who sees, and Emmanuel, the God who is with us. So to those who are mothers, may you feel loved, honored, and celebrated today and always for the fierce love you pour out and the sacrifices made, the sleepless nights endured, the tears you wipe away, boo-boos kissed and fixed, the refuge and safe place you are, the stories you read, listening ear you offer, advice and wisdom you give, and all the prayers spoken. We are forever grateful. To those with good mother relationships, May you cherish the time, closeness, and love you share with your mother. May you make sweet memories together in the days while you still have each other to enjoy this side of heaven. To those who have complicated mother relationships, may you find a safe place to share your story, be humble enough to own your part of the relationship, offer forgiveness to past hurts, be supported by mother-like women to learn from and be loved by, and if possible, find restoration. To those of you who have lost mothers, in your grief may you be comforted by the memories you hold of her, gratitude for the time you are given with her, 
and all the ways big and small that she showed her pride in you and her great love for you. To those who have never known a mother, may you be loved and supported by spiritual mothers and mentors that can help fill the void of lost experiences. To those who long to be mothers or may have missed their chance to be a mother, in your grief and as you wait, May you feel his nearness and find comfort, strength, and peace in the opportunities to love and nurture the children God has placed in your life. To mothers who have lost children, in your deep ache and sorrow, may you experience God's comfort and care. Receive gentle love and kindness from those who love and support you. And in the vast absence of your child, may the beauty of the memory shared with your child bring comfort to your aching heart. To the aunts, stepmoms, sisters, and special women in our lives, though you may not have physically birthed the ones you mother, <clears throat> the love, care, and support you offer is irreplaceable and is cherished by those whose lives you've impacted. May you feel honored and celebrated for the special role you play in those in your life and community. Today and every day, may each of us see and receive all the ways that God mothers us. May we allow him to nurture our broken and hurting hearts receive his sacrificial love and forgiveness through Jesus, walk as his beloved children, and feel his pride and delight in us, knowing there is nothing we could do to separate us from his love. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Amy. I'll take that. So grateful for my bride and for her sharing those words with us this morning. If you would like a copy of that, we will have that online later on today. But Really, it's our desire today to create a space wherever you are to encounter and experience Jesus and just to know that you're seen and you're loved. And again, the joy, we want to celebrate that. And the sorrow, we want to provide comfort that's found in Christ. And today we're continuing our teaching series called Two Truths and a Lie. And by this point in time, you know what this game is. Two Truths and a Lie really is this idea of uh, coming up with two truths and one lie, and then when you play this game with people, they have to identify the lie. They have to identify the lie. So today what I thought, I thought we would do a Mother's Day edition of Two Truths and a Lie, and I, I, I was had some vetoes on some of my early additions to this wisely, wisely uh, from the women in my life. need to listen to their, their words. So uh, here is the Two Truths and a Lie Mother's Day edition Here's the first one. No two women are the exact same and should be celebrated for who they uniquely are. Uh, here's the second phrase and second uh, statement here. Women have the ability to manage a lot of things at one time. And here's the last statement. Being a mom is an easy job. Which one of these is the lie you think? I, I couldn't hear you. What did you say? The third one, you guys think the third one? All right, all right, the third. And it's somewhat obvious, all right? And, and part of it, and part of the reason I made it obvious, unlike the game, you're supposed to try to trick somebody. I made it obvious this way because oftentimes the things that are obvious to us are difficult at times to embrace and walk in. And so the first statement that's true, yes, women are celebrated and should be celebrated for the uniquenesses that they bring and who they are no two women are the same but oftentimes i think for women and for men we struggle we struggle to constantly compare ourselves to somebody else somebody else's life on the instagram which is another way to say instagram in case you couldn't follow along instagram 
just the, the best moments, the highlight reel. We're like, man, they're living their best life. My life just stinks, you know. And we're just comparing. We're like, man, there's such a better parent than I am. And we don't know the ins and the outs. And we don't know their journey, but we do know our journey. And instead of shrinking back, we should recognize that we're to be celebrated. And we can celebrate others as well because we're unique. We're different. But it's difficult at times to believe that as truth and to walk in that, to live that truth out, to live it out, not just to know it, but to live it out. And then think about all the things you're able to accomplish. Women in particular are great at multitasking and doing a lot of things. But oftentimes women in particular feel like they're failing and they're not measuring up and they're not keeping up and they're always got something else that they should do and somebody else that they disappointed and they may even feel like they're a disappointment. And that's not just for women. Men are like that too, right? We can miss our journey. We can miss where we started and where we are. It's so tempting to walk in those types of lies and miss the truth. The truth of what it is we're uniquely created and shaped to do. The fact that we've been able by God's grace to accomplish so much in our life. And then we minimize the difficulty of the job that is worthwhile, but still a difficult job. Being a mom is a hard job. Can I get an amen? Yeah, all right, right, right. Starting with the pregnancy. Leave it up to my homegirl, Sam. She, she'll keep me straight and narrow here. But we can minimize that. We can minimize, like, wow. Like, I would come home oftentimes from, from a day at, at the office, and, and Amy would say something like this to me once Ray, uh, when Ray came along. She would say, I didn't get much accomplished today. I'm like, well, you kept another human alive. I think that's a big accomplishment. That's a big accomplishment. You poured into him. And I'm grateful for that. But again, we don't want to miss our unique call, who we are, our shape, what it is that we've been able to do and accomplish, and even the roles and the vocations that we have, whether that's being a mom or a dad or the work that we do. And so many things that are, are, could be filed under that category. But what causes us, again, to miss the truth of who we are and the truth that we're meant to live? And there's this phrase called mental maps, and mental maps are simply a collection of ideas by which we navigate life. So they're a, a collection of ideas by which we navigate life. It's why today, when you came here, you didn't have to enter it into your GPS. You knew how to get here. When you leave here, you know how to get to where it is that you live because it's second nature to you. It's a mental map. It's a map that has allowed you to navigate from where you are to where you're going. And you've done it so many times. There's so much repetition, so much attention that's been given to it. You can got, go on autopilot and you're like, oh, well, I didn't even realize we're here, right? <laughs> you know, you kind of like zone out a little bit, right? We're, we're here. Or if you have recently moved and you are still in the area, you may take the directions to where you used to live because it's such a habit to you. And it's easy to miss out and to miss your new home and, and where, where that's located. And you end up taking old directions to your old home where you no longer live. We all have these mental maps. We have these things that come our way that have formed how we see the world. And, and really, the idea of a mental map is what we do with the 10,000 messages that come to us a day. 
There's 10,000 messages that come our way every day. And sometimes we don't know that they're coming because sometimes there's a passive way to how we are looking at these messages or sometimes it's an active way. It's things like we listen to through podcasts or, or music or binging something on Netflix or conversations that we have on a regular basis. And, and here's the thing, whatever message gets the most attention is the message that forms our mental maps. So it's not about how many of the messages are coming. It's what messages are we paying attention to to allow, to f- allow ourselves to be formed and shaped by those messages. And see, one of the crazy things about humans, and it's, it's cool, but it's, it's somewhat crazy, is, is it's our ability to hold together, as John Mark Comer says, reality and unreality. We're the only species that can do that, where we can hold reality and unreality together, and that's called imagination, right? We have imagination, and I love watching this with my, my six-year-old son. He has such a vivid imagination, but here's what's tricky about imagination is oftentimes the unreality becomes reality for us, and it's our Achilles heel as humans, and so how does this all play out, and what do we do so that we make sure we have the proper mental map navigating and leading our lives because these mental maps that i'm referring to answer three big questions for us one is who is god who am i and what's the best way to live who is god who am i what's the best way to live and so these mental maps are really key for us to address in our own lives and so today what i want us to see is again why is it difficult for us to make sure that we have the right mental map and how do we get on track to make sure that our mental map is leading us to the places we said last week of freedom. This life of fullness that is found in Jesus because we said last week Jesus is for us. He wants to see us flourish and set free. He wants us to experience the fullness of joy that's found in him. So how does that play out for us? For us to be able to understand again where we have gone off track with our mental map i want to go to the origin story of humanity and this is the story of the first two humans adam and eve adam and eve and and just for you to follow along here up to this point in genesis 1 and 2 we we hear of this god who's who's created and it says that as he created he would say it is good and when he made adam and eve he, he says of them they are very good right they are made in his image and this place of perfection that they're in, there's no brokenness, no sin, nothing like that that's happening. There's only one command given to them. And the one command was to not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the only command. But they were joining God in stewardship of the creation, of the animals. They were involved in naming the animals. They were involved in enjoying walking with his presence, as it would say, in the cool of the day. So there's this nearness and there's this closeness to what Adam and Eve experience. But then there's a character that enters in the story. And we talked about this character last week. And this character's name is Satan, the devil. He was a created being, as we learn about him in Isaiah, named Lucifer. He's a fallen angel. He's not as powerful as God. He's, he's a created being, but he's a fallen angel who wanted to take the throne of God for himself. And he said of God, I know better than you, and I'm better than you. 
and he lost that battle. But ever since then, he's been bent on our destruction and our demise. He wants us to experience what he himself experiences. And so we see this character, the, Satan, the devil, in the form of the, of the serpent. And I, more than anything, what I want you to take away from this is the human experience that we can relate to when it comes to what it is that they encounter. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up with me to Genesis chapter 3. Verses are on the screen. Genesis chapter 3, we have free copies of the Bible as well. On the way out this morning, you can grab those. You can use the Riverbend app as well or a Bible app. It says this. It says, now the serpent was crafty, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman... Let's read this out loud together on three. One, two, three. Did God really say, let's not eat from the tree in the garden? So he comes at her, and he comes with an idea. He says, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So this is not like snakes on the plane, right? Like, you know, the, you would think the snake's going to come, and he's going to wrap her up, and going to take her down, and bite her, and poison her, and, you know? How does he come at her? He comes with ideas. And this question is really with the foundation behind it of saying, is God trustworthy? Does he have your best interest in mind and in heart? Did God really say that? Did God really say that? He's trying to cause doubt within Eve. He's trying to get her to the point of questioning God's heart and intention towards her did god really say that the woman said to the serpent we may eat from the trees in the garden but god did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die and so she is repeating what she heard god say but notice what god didn't say god did not say that she could not touch the tree she added that in she added that part in, and I think even in this moment of doubting God's heart and intention towards her, she starts to add in things God did not say to her. And I think it's interesting to know that in this moment, she's isolated. It's just her and the serpent having this conversation, which is the devil, right, in the form of a serpent. And they're having this, this conversation. It's just them, and she's isolated in this moment. And I think there's something to note about that. When we're isolated, we are very vulnerable. And it doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man. We are vulnerable in the midst of this. See, isolation causes us to forget our true identity. It causes us to forget our true identity. What it is that God says of us and his intention towards us and that we're made in his image. That we're intended to join him. We're intended to walk with him in the cool of the day that he has these good gifts for us that his way of life for us isn't to enslave us but to free us so that we can flourish and i just want to say today i, I think it's really important to note for for the ladies in the house and i think this goes for men but because it's mother's day i'm going to focus in on you for a moment women i think it's tempting to schedule yourself out of community i think it's tempting to not make the priority of relationship of people 
walking with you and encouraging you. And this is not about solitude. I think solitude is a gift from God, right, to walk with God in those spaces. But isolation speaks that I'm going to do life alone, and I'm too maybe prideful, too busy, too ashamed to let others in to what it is that I'm going through. And we need others. We need other ladies to come alongside us. We need ladies to encourage us, to cheer us on, to remind us we're not in it alone. To remind us that we're not crazy even when we feel crazy, right? We need women like that. And that's why I'm so excited that we have opportunities throughout Riverbend for you to connect with women in a variety of ways. Like next Saturday, Rebecca Escott. Stand up, Rebecca. Go see Rebecca next Saturday. She's got some women, and she's got an event for the women to come over and connect with her and with other ladies. This is a great opportunity just to build relationship. I think about Erin Harris. Erin Harris, stand up. She's behind you guys in the back here. She's working on getting a study together for women to come together throughout the summer and the fall. Can we give it up for these ladies? Yeah, sure. Let's give it up. Yeah, that's awesome. So again, isolation causes us to forget our identity. But I want to get back to what he said about these deceptive ideas. He planted these deceptive ideas towards Eve. And these deceptive ideas really were to cause her to doubt God's heart and intention. And I want you to think about what deceptive ideas are you holding on to in your life. Not just what you intellectually believe, but you're living out. What lies are you living right now? Where in your life are you asking the question like this? Did God really say that? Did God really say that about my sexuality? Did God really say that about my relationships? Did God really say that about my finances? Did God really say that about my vocation? Did God really say that? You fill in the blank. Where is your question before God. And there's something good about asking honest questions, but often this question is, hey, where's, where's the loophole? Where, I'm looking for a loophole here. Well, I, I, want the, I don't believe your heart towards me is good, God. And I don't want to join you in what it is that you say and have for me. I want to do it my own way. And we see even the, the throes of this conversation with the serpent and not only was she having a conversation with Satan, but she was starting to be like, wait a minute, like, is his heart good towards me? She was getting disoriented. And I think we all have moments like that. We all have moments like that where we feel disoriented. Where we're like, wait a minute. And I think at the heart of it is not only to trust his heart towards us, but to believe the life that he's called us to is for our flourishing. It's not to hinder us. It's so that we will flourish and thrive. And so as we continue on, we see this in Genesis 3. It says this, You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
And so what he says to her, he says, you will certainly not die. And, and he wasn't telling a total lie because she's not going to die right away, is she? She's not going to die. If you read this story, she doesn't die right away. And then she, he says to her, for, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. But he doesn't tell her the consequence after that. That, yes, she will see things, but those things that she will see will not be for her flourishing and thriving, but will be for her death and demise. And we know ultimate death will come. And we know spiritual death will come. And we know that spiritual brokenness in the world and the culture that we live in will be forever broken. And praise be to God, it doesn't end here. Because as Paul says, there's a second Adam that's going to come. And his name's Jesus. And we're going to see him a bit next week as we watch him in his own wilderness experience. But I want you to just pay attention to this. Because oftentimes, it's not that they're outright lies. They have some truth to them, but they don't have all truth to them. And we need discernment to understand, hey, what is, what is this lie that's being told to me? And what will happen if I follow this idea, this, de- this idea, this deceptive idea to its ultimate end? What will take place in me? And you know that as you listen to this conversation, that Satan is playing to something else in Eve, and he's playing to something else in us, in our own humanity. And that's distorted desires. He played to a distorted desire to Eve. He said, Eve, hey, listen, you're not going to die. You'll live forever. I mean, who, who doesn't want that, right? Like, yes, he, he's playing to a distorted desire, but it caused her to doubt God's heart towards her. A distorted desire to say, I will know both good and evil. I will be all-knowing and all-powerful like God himself is. Distorted desire. What are the distorted desires in your life right now? Because it starts with deceptive ideas that then are played to distorted, deceptive ideas that are playing out in distorted desires. So what are those distorted desires in your own life? What is it right now? I want you to think about it because so much of it is we're trying to meet a yearning and a longing in our own life. There are ways in which we have been taught and brought up and things have been said to us that we then build our mental maps on deceptive ideas and distorted desires. Things like you'll never amount to anything. You can't possibly be a good mom. You're only as good as your marital status. Whatever it is. You fill in the blank. We got these messages coming our way, and they're coming loud, and some of them are on replay, and they're leading our lives right now. Again, deceptive ideas, distorted desires. And it goes on to say this in Genesis 3. It says this, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. So there's pleasure. There's delight. She sees this, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. What kind of wisdom? Not the wisdom of God, but the wisdom of this world. As it would say in James 3, the wisdom of Satan himself. There's a way of wisdom that looks right to you and I, but is not in line with God's wisdom and intention towards us. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they realized they were what? What does it say here? 
naked, right? Pardon my southern accent. It's going to come out when I say that word. But they're naked, right? And it says, so they sewed, they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. What did they do? They saw something that they hadn't seen before, before they ate. They saw the fact that they didn't have clothes on, right? And, and oftentimes people ask me, hey, what do you wear to Riverbend? What, what should I wear? What's my... Just put clothes on, man. That's all we ask. That's all. And that starts back here, right? It starts back here. Because before this moment, they weren't concerned about this. But all of a sudden, they realized, wait a minute. I see like I didn't see before. And this wasn't the way of God. This wasn't his intention. His intention was for them to enjoy him and to enjoy one another before him. But now... Now they realize things, and they're sowing fig leaves. And you know what? I think many of us, we have our version of this, where we sow fig leaves and we hide out because of our shame. We have these coverings, these things that we hide behind in our own lives as well, just like Adam and Eve. Well, it goes on to say this. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the, of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. So they're hiding out. Instead of running to God and walking with God, they're running away from God. They didn't have that experience before this moment. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? Let's say that out loud together. Where are you? Because you know what? God wants to know where we are too. And it's not a lack of knowledge on his part, but he wants us to, before him, acknowledge where are we? Where are we with life? Where are we with our doubts, our desires? Where are we with our fears and our longings? Where are we where we wish we were somewhere else? Where are we? Where are we? And he's inviting them into something, even in the midst of their brokenness and their sin. He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. Because I was what? What's the word here again? Naked, right? I was naked because I was naked. So I hid. I hid out. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Who told you this? Who told you that you didn't have clothes on? Who told you this? Why were you afraid? He was, I'm hiding because I recognize that I'm not what I once was. I'm hiding out in this way. There's this real sense of shame entering into the story. But then it goes on to say this. The man said, The woman you put here, put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Man, Adam, this is a man fell right here, right? He's like, hey, you know what? This woman, she, she's the one that made me eat this. She made me do it. She made me do it. It's her fault, right? Blame shifting all of a sudden enters this story, right? It's Eve's fault. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? What is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And I want you just to notice, they just keep kind of passing the buck a little bit. Again, Deceptive ideas are happening. They're playing to distorted desires that lead to destructive behaviors. Destruction 
enters in Adam and Eve's life and all of humanity ever since has been a benefactor of that. We all have been. And so as we hear that, I I want us to know that there's hope because we know that there's a rescue mission, there's a plan that's going to come. We know that Jesus is going to come and when he comes, he's going to give an offer and invitation and he's going to ask that question, where are you because I've come near to you and I want to come closer and closer. I've made a way and I'm bringing not only myself here, but through my life, death, burial, and resurrection, I'm bringing my kingdom, my kingdom here to the earth. And you're going to be able to experience as much as you can on this side of heaven, the restoration that God has for you. And then joining him on seeing others restored and, and places and people restored. And we believe that. That's why we do what we do as a church. That's why we're at Deer of High School on a Friday serving these teachers that are some of our heroes and, and blessing them and feeding them lunch the why behind it isn't just because we want to feel good about ourselves no it's because i believe that there's a god and he has a kingdom agenda and he wants to see all things made new so how do we walk in that newness of life how do we experience it especially when we have mental maps that are led by deceptive ideas distorted desires that then play out and then live out in destructive behaviors well first we have to acknowledge this that when we step out of line with god's design pride shame blame and fear enter the story this is what happens here and we see this happen in adam and eve right we see them hiding running put sewing fig leaves together blaming we see even for for eve we see this this pleasure seeking you know, this is why she said it looks good to her. So she took it and ate it. And then Adam ate it, you know. And, and again, we're seeing the consequence of that. But it's true of our own lives. When we step out of line with God's design, those things are true of us as well. Pride leads us. Shame leads us. Blame, fear. These things lead us. So here's a question. Which one dominates your thinking? Pride, pleasure, shame, blame, fear which one's dominating your thinking and i want to just clarify that the fear of the lord is a good thing but the fear of the lord means i'm going to walk in awe and reverence of god and i'm going to draw near to him i'm not going to run away from him i'm going to come close but i'm going to come with humility this type of fear is hey i know what i did was wrong and i don't want you to know about it though you do know about it and i don't want to bring it to the light this is the kind of fear we see with adam and eve So what's leading your life? Is it pride? Is it pleasure? Is it shame? Is it blame? Is it fear? Some of us, we think pleasure will satisfy a deep longing and desire in our lives. And for a moment, these things do work. They do work. But it's temporary. It's like that Adam and Eve moment. There's like, hey, for a moment, it was good. But then there was a gotcha. There was a gotcha. And this is what Adam and Eve experienced. And this is what happens in our own lives as well. Joel Thomas said this. He says, what you think about you is fundamentally who you are being formed into. So the the way in which you think of yourself and what God says of you and has for you is who you're being formed into. So your thinking really matters. It matters. It matters. See, ruler of your mind equals ruler of your life. So as your mind goes, so your life goes. What are you allowing to have the attention? 
what mental maps are being formed. And a neuroscientist, Dr. Caroline Leaf, in her book, Switch Your Brain, said this. She says, our mind was destined to control our body, of which our brain is part, is a part. Not the other way around. Matter does not control us. We control matter through our thinking and choosing. And this is good news for us because we can rewire our brains before God. We can rewire the mental maps. This is what she's getting at. But to do so, it has to change through our thinking and our choosing. And so as we continue on here, I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul would say to the church in Rome. Listen to what he says here in Romans 12, 1 through 2. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, God's mercy, what he withheld and what he gave through Jesus, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And part of our bodies is our mind. Just in case you don't know that. It's part of our body. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So Paul says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. And, and sometimes conform can be used like, hey, let's conform it into the character of Christ. But I think even a better word than that is what Paul says here, is to transform. To be transformed. It's this, this word of, of metamorphosis. It's, it's if you're a kid of, of the 80s. It's the, we're transformers, right? It's the idea here, right? More than meets the eyes, right? It's what happens to a caterpillar. The caterpillar goes from being a caterpillar to becoming a butterfly. There's a metamorphosis. There's a transforming. And we're to daily transform our minds. So is your mind being conformed or transformed? Conformed to the pattern of this world? are being transformed by its renewing before God. What are you putting in it? What are you giving attention to it? What is it that you're holding on to? What deceptive ideas are you believing? What distorted desires do those ideas play to? And then how are they lived out through destructive behaviors, disastrous behaviors and results in your life? So again, is your mind being conformed or transformed? And last week I gave you these Three things. As we think about how we go about seeing our minds transformed, we need to recognize the lies we live. And that only happens through the Holy Spirit showing us and through a community of brothers and sisters who are coming after Jesus and who are for us and what God has for us. We need to allow them to have space in our lives to say, hey, this is what I see. This is what I see. This is what I'm I'm hearing when what you say this. We give them permission. They're safe people in our lives. So we want to recognize the lies we live. We want to repent of the lies we live. So we want to repent. We want to change our mind. We want to change our direction. We want to really say to God, hey, I understand what you say of me and what you have for me, and I want to join you on what it is that you have created me for. And I confess that. And then replace the lies that we live with the truth of Jesus. We need to replace them with the truth of Jesus. What G, who Jesus is, what Jesus is about, how the scriptures point us to Jesus. And then we need to make it personal. Because I think it's easy to hear this and be like, oh, this is for everybody. Like, I'll, I'll talk to people and they're like, yes, for God so loved the world. 
like all humanity. I'm like, do you know that you're part of the world, though? Like, do you, <laughs> do you know, like, this is for you? This isn't just for a lot of people. Yes, it is for a lot of people, but it's for you, too. For you, like, state your name, because it's important for you to personalize this. Because without that, it loses its power in our lives. And then we keep holding on to deceptive ideas, and then distorted if that play to distorted desires, and the result of that is these destructive behaviors. So here's a question for you as we wrap up our time. Will you trust the truth about Jesus, yourself, and life, even when it tells you something you don't want to hear, goes against your truth and a popular narrative? Will you? Will I? And I'm not minimizing your experiences. I'm saying... May you allow your experiences, though, to be put on Jesus, who is the truth, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus who says, hey, if you are my disciples, you'll hear my teachings and hold on to them, and then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This Jesus, he doesn't minimize your experience, but rather he wants to be able to give language and a place and a space for you to, in a healthy way, be able to understand and unpack what that is that you've gone through. He has a way of life that is for your flourishing and your thriving. But this is the question he's asking all of us. Will we trust the truth about Jesus, yourself, and life, even when it, again, tells you something you don't want to hear, goes against your truth and a popular narrative? Because we know in Jesus, he comes near to us. Praise be to God. He has completed the work. Praise be to God that the end of the story is not Genesis 3, but that we have a rescuer. He's pursuing you. He's pursuing me. He's made a way. Praise be to God that in him we are made new, that we daily can have our minds renewed because these mental mappings that we've had from a variety of ways, we daily need to have our minds renewed. And as I'm watching my son Ray, I'm seeing that so clearly and Ray's just mirroring back to me <laughs> what I need to have in my own life. Hey, how's, how's my thinking? What am I taking in? What messages am I holding on to? Is truth washing over me? Or are there deceptive ideas that I'm holding on to potentially that play to disordered desires? That end and result to, again, destructive behaviors. And so as we think about that and consider what we've said today, I want to invite us just to declare to Jesus, hey, Jesus, I'm choosing to trust you. And if you're not there yet, and you're just on the process, and you're like, hey, I'm here for Mother's Day, and this thing is not where I'm at yet, that's okay. But would you even consider to be honest with the things that are hard and difficult for you, the things you're wrestling with right now? Let's pray together. Father, right now, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that it's so evident and it's so apparent. And Lord, we are just so grateful. We're grateful for what it is that you've done for us. And Lord, I pray that this day, God, uh, you would continue to remind us of your great love for us. And we thank you for your great love that's revealed through Jesus and for the women in our lives. We think of the moms here and beyond. And Lord, their tender care for us is a picture of your tender care for us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would not lose sight of your intention, your invitation, what it is that you desire and long for us. We are so grateful. We're so grateful for all that you're doing. And Lord, I pray for any person who's here who says, hey, you know what? Today's the day. I want to trust you, Jesus. I want to trust you more deeply, Jesus. 
I pray they would have the courage to let somebody who is going in that same direction know. And Father, to know that you again go with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.